Cheers, my darling. Cheers. Hello and welcome to Time at the Bar. With me, Marianne Hodgkinson. And myself, Florian Hodgkinson. <laughs> um, today we're sitting down to expand a little bit on what we talked about last time. We talked about pub history last time and what are we talking about today? Pub etiquette. Yes. Which I think is particularly sort of uh, prevalent at the moment, isn't it? The, this discussion because there's been so many, so much of a... Uh, fallout with this um, eat out to help out scheme and people uh, uh, coming out of the woodwork and behaving like absolute plonkers. (laughs) That's to put it mildly. Yes, I was being very polite. Yes, we can swear. Yeah, And we will. We will. We Um, will regularly in this section, I reckon. (laughs) I think it definitely inspired a conversation between us that uh, brought up a lot of vitriol from our experiences working in bars. We're dispelling a lot of bile in this one. Uh, so yes, bear with us. Um, and also if, if you find that when you're listening to this, any of this applies to you, don't worry. It's okay. We've, we've all been there when we've been a bit drunk and we've woken up the next day with the fear and we go, Oh no, what did I do last night? But it doesn't mean that it's too late to change. This is very true. We've all had a with nail and I moment. Oh, God. Yeah. I demand to have some, some booze. booze. Exactly. <laughs> because um, it's your God given right. It is our God given <laughs> right. God damn it. Um, so, yes. Um, first, I think we'll explore a few of the do's. What, like the good things. What, you know, what we recommend you do. All of the young do's. All the young do's. And, uh, and then we'll move on to some of the uh, long list of. Don'ts. Yeah, the lesser do's. And we'll definitely explore a few of our own personal anecdotes along the way. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we'll do. There's lots of bile to be worked out of the system. So bear with us if we sound like we're going on a bit of a rant. So, Flaws, pub etiquette. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've uh, seen any of the videos or uh, articles that go around online. I think they all tend to be bar staff going a little bit off on one. Uh, there was one really interesting one that I saw, which was an old video from the 1940s, which was, uh, and it was produced by the American army to teach their oh, yeah, soldiers I've seen, I've seen that, about how to behave before, yeah. in a British pub. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. I think that it gets some things very right, but then it also romanticises a lot of things. And yes, some of it was very quaint and very British looking. Yeah, and it's also very, it's, you know, it's also very quaint in that American way, the fact that that's their perception of, uh, you know, of the old world and, you know, how you do things to fit in and, you know, what you have to do to do that. And it's the fact that they also want to be friends with everybody. And that's not, I don't know if that's particular British people aren't necessarily that way inclined. They would be like, these are people I'm friends with and it's fine if I don't need to be mates with everybody. I'm not saying all Americans want to be friends with everybody, but you know, like the the guy in that, particularly in that little um, skit, is just he wants the whole pub to love him, and I think that's yeah. sort of lunacy myself. <laughs> yeah, the first the because you get the the American who does it wrong, and then the American that does it right. Yeah, and I find it very interesting that um, there's this. It it sounds like it's really strict, and also sounds like it's really logical. Like he says. these are the things you don't do these are the things you do do but I think there's a bit more fluidity to it it's because we've been it's all been passed down from generation to generation it's an unwritten law how to behave in a pub and uh, 
I think that it's it does get a few things right, uh, but I think we're going to go into a few more of the nuanced aspects of this. Yeah, I mean, I also probably not massively nuanced, just great logic um, that apparently people forget to apply when they walk into most pubs. They uh, they, yeah. they don't think before they act, uh, and it's not really a massive filter system that needs to be put in place just to not be an absolute penis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So one of the big ones to do, we're going to start with our do's, is to be polite. Yeah, I mean, sounds sounds sort of a bit stupid to have to point it out, but a little bit of common courtesy goes an incredibly long way, especially with people that are used to being spoken down to. I think a lot of people in, you know, in service jobs so that even includes serving on a counter at you know asda or whatever mm. people will just sort of go you know whatever you just scan those you know items through and away we go and i'm not really going to talk to you and you don't i'm not saying you want to you know make overnight friends with them it's like the taxi driver situation where people go oh so what time do you start them oh what time do you finish has it been busy you know yeah. sort of that standard chat that everyone thinks that they they're the first person that's done it and gone i'm including the taxi driver this is great and he's like this is the conversation that everybody has. <laughs> we don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, weather's uh, helped out. Oh, the weather's killed your server. You know, like all of those sort of things. it is very... It, I mean, yeah, talking about the weather is such a British thing. But, this, but it's because it's polite conversation. It's a way to start... Absolutely. A, and it's just common breaker. ground that everyone's, you know, everyone's coming from the same point of view. Even if you think that's a really mundane, irritating, tedious conversation, at least with some just... You have some level of reciprocal... Uh, back and forth then you just say you know you do it with staff you do it with somebody in a shop it it sort of doesn't really matter if it makes anybody feel any better about the situation but it's just nice you're just like well we're just having a bit of chit chat that's it yes exactly but it's it's amazing how quickly people forget to say things like please and thank you even yeah and it's this assumption that whoever's working behind the bar or well they're being paid therefore it's they're here to serve me. Their job is to serve me, and I don't need to go any further than that in that interaction. That interaction is literally they hand thing to me, I hand money to them, transaction done. Yeah, which, you know, that is fine, but why go to a pub to do that? You know, why mm. go anywhere if you just want almost a mechanised process where there's no human contact? Yeah. Just go and buy some beer from a supermarket, from a self-service machine, and take it home. You Boom. don't have to talk to anyone there. And I think you're right. Like, you go to a pub, or even if you are going to be on your own, you're there to be among people. Yeah, you are, absolutely. Be... Or, or if you like your quiet corner, but you do, you've gone there for a reason. It's something outside of your home. It's like being in somebody else's home that they've welcomed you in, and you can be quiet and pensive and do your crosswords or read a book, or you can be in the in the you know right up the bar and have a chit chat with people. Obviously, you know we've already clarified that this is in you know in previous episodes that that's obviously not quite happening anymore. No. Um, but ultimately, the reason that you are out and about is because a it's something different that you can drink that you can probably only drink out. It's the draft version often as well, so that's really important. And it's the fact that you are ultimately, even through just vicarious uh, experience, you are in and around people, communing with people. You don't have to talk to them, you don't have to be involved, but you are, you've chosen to put yourself in that position. In that and atmosphere. so therefore, politeness is very, very much high on the list because you don't go into somebody's house and 
be abusive to them. And, you know, yeah. going back to what we've said before, if you think about the public house, the origins of the public house, it is somebody's front room. Yes, exactly. It is somebody's parlour. You have been invited someone's kitchen. in. Yeah. Absolutely. So you behave with decorum and you behave to the standards of the venue. Yeah. I think also to expand a little bit on the, you know, polite conversation, um, although you might be going to a pub and generally you'd be expected to keep yourself to yourself in a sense don't be randomly sitting down with strangers that you don't know unless they invite you to join them yeah um and it's a fine line that one because i think part of the reason again you're at a pub is you and well and historically anyway you you run into people you meet people you might end up chatting to somebody you've never met before mm. and that's part of the, the lovely process but equally, there are people that are like limpets that suddenly just attach themselves to a personal group and you can't shake them for shit. Mm. And, oh no, my evening's being ruined by this abs- You know, and because you're being polite, you haven't just gone, oh mate, fuck off. Yeah, we, yeah, you can't, it's a very uh, British thing not to be able to tell someone yeah. that you don't want to talk to them. And if you do, people say, oh, you know, that was really rude. You, you know, you were quite violent towards me. It's, like, it's actually within our right to say... Yeah. You should Could be you able to tell away, people please? that you're not interested in the town but anyway, conversation. So they... <laughs> but um, equally, you are allowed to have a conversation, particularly with the bar staff. If it's a quiet time of the day and if there are certain indicators like stools at the bar, yeah. other people, the regulars at the bar, you then can see the social cues that suggest yeah. it uh, is all right to go and talk to... Some of these people. etiquettes that we're talking about, though, are strangely have been denied us even being, you know, possible at the moment. Mm. And, you know, that's because with, with the lockdown situation and then, you know, the knock-on effect that that's had and people having to isolate or people having to, you know, um, keep their distance and follow those rules then actually a lot of these things aren't possible because you can't no. go to the bar. We are very much, at this point, talking from the perspective of pre-COVID. Yeah, and maybe, potentially, hopefully, one day getting back to that. Um... Yeah, hopefully we will be able to come back to the more traditional setup of a pub. It's it's respectable levels of communication, in, with particularly eye contact. A lot of people also then stare at people. And that's a that's that's and a no no. If you're a woman well. behind a bar, you find yourself I was the say that, well, men and women can get eye banged. You know, like it's it's not yeah, it's not on. I mean, obviously, it's particularly particularly uh, female bar staff that that get that. And the other one, I know this is probably a point we're getting to later, but I'm just on it and I'm on that mission is ordering drinks off somebody, asking their opinion, and then turning to the male counterpart, like their you know whoever they're working with, and saying, yeah, do you recommend this, this or? What uh, what should, you know? It's like that's the person serving you. Like if if they want to ask somebody's you know one of their co staffs advice, great. But don't assume that they don't know anything. Yeah, absolutely. Or, could, could I speak to the boss, please? Oh yeah, of course. The boss is never going to be a woman. No, all the staff behind the bar should be trained to the point where they can recommend anything yeah. to you. And if they don't know how to recommend it, or they've they've maybe not tried it, and it's maybe it's just come on the line. Yeah, fair then enough. Then they you... can they like you said, let the staff turn to a co-worker for advice yeah. don't start talking across the person who's serving you but we're getting into don'ts here yeah i, know. And I want Sorry, to stick I, to I, the I, do's for now um <laughs> i've so gone off on one already don't so what we've done is, uh so do be polite and do make conversation if it's not too busy after all bar staff 
are quite sociable people, though sometimes you don't look like it when you're in the middle of Friday night service and your face is like thunder. Well, it's, I think it's a mix of all, but I mean, there's a reason that people go, that stick at that job for a while. They do Absolutely. Because even if they say, oh, I, I hate the people, they're obviously fascinated by people though as well, otherwise you wouldn't do it. No. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just a sadist, aren't you? Um, also, so another do that would probably is very much pre-COVID do. Um, bring your glasses back. Yeah, it's a COVID order. don't. It's a COVID don't. Don't start like wandering around with glassware. Let the gla- let the um, servers deal with it. But that is because we're now in a position where we have table service. Mm. Historically, we've had glass collectors yeah. and the bar staff will go on a glass run to get everything back you, but you sort of clock the space you're in don't you if yeah. you see that there's people that are dedicated to doing that then fine but there's not many venues historically or today that would do that obviously right now glass collection is part of the job again um so you know even i was going to say before though if you don't historically if you didn't take your glasses up to the bar then at least just put them all together you know so that it's a bit easier to get out or somebody can get to that table and sit down without having to move all your dirty glassware around. It's just a little nicer. I think it helps the staff, you know, it helps them to collect them all from one place rather than leaning across. And even then when you're sitting there at a table and you think, oh, I've, you know, I've finished with that drink, maybe move it to a place that it's easier for staff to get at, particularly now again, because, you know, they don't want to be leaning across you. You don't want to be like turning and breathing straight in their face. So, yeah, be respectful of the staff, not just in politeness, but particularly at this time, of their the, what they're doing as a job is, you know, putting themselves in quite an unstable position. They yeah. could they could be right in the midst of catching it, catching COVID nineteen because they're handling glasses, they're dealing with plates and cutlery and stuff. And even if they have the most sanitary like set up in the world and are wearing masks and everything. They're still yeah. putting themselves in a more vulnerable position. And particularly with, where, you know, with regards to people being drunk through drinking. Yeah. You know, that obviously you get drunk through drinking, you know, rather than any lots of other ways. But, you know, you're in an environment where that is primarily what you're doing. Well, you, may, you may be doing food as well, but you are a food and drinks dispensary, if you like. And ultimately, somebody could get a bit too shiny in the eyes. And, you know, that's always going to be a risk as well because that's when people stop obeying the unwritten rules uh, or social etiquettes that you, you follow and get too close or grab somebody's arm and go, oh, yeah, cheers for that. And, you know, and think people do start to, you know, to slightly deviate from their n- normal behaviour. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's something you've just got to be wary of is that ultimately staff are doing what is a difficult job, even though to most people... They're not really thinking about it like that. Yeah. So we've covered a few of the do's. We have quite a lot of don'ts in there. Sorry about that. Well, (laughs) I think more do's will occur to us as we go along. But now it is time to delve into the don'ts. Don'ts away. And I think that this is going to be a bit long. We'll try and scooch through it as quickly as we can. But um, there are a few points in here. And it's hard not to talk about them and go off on one. Yeah. So, without further ado, um, one of the first points I have here is uh, large groups. Now... Yeah, nothing wrong with large groups. No, okay, it's great. Go out with your mates, have a party. But... It's not your personal jungle, Jim. 
Yes, exactly. You can't just dominate seats and spaces and start moving everything around because it suits your group. Yeah. Standing in the way of staff who are quite clearly running food or collecting glassware, standing around a table, just milling. Again, we're talking pre-COVID. You can't really, you can't do this at the moment. However, it's still an essential thing that everyone should know. If you're in a large group, you are an inconvenience to the people who are working. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those you have to be really aware of that, you know, you try to keep your order as concise as possible. You try to make sure it's easy. If, you know, if you're all ordering on the hoof, you know, person by person, then do it that way. I think some of these, you know, pointers we've ultimately got crossover because, I mean, again, I'd say it applies to the large groups as well as to smaller groups that, you know, order your drinks appropriately. If you think that's going to take a little while, if you're a Guinness drinker, you order your... Order your Guinness first first was a separate point I had, but yes, should be very much part of the large groups. So that's more like rounds anyway. If you know you're ordering a Guinness, order it first. Yeah. If you are a large group and you would like to order a round of drinks, send one person to order the drinks they can then ask a friend to come and help them or a couple of people can come up but let one person talk don't all like five of you order random different drinks yeah let one person talk let them be the voice of the group and also the bar staff will assume that that person is paying yeah if you're ordering a large group are ordering in a round don't try and split the round up after you've ordered yeah. it all together. But also don't assume that the the staff are somehow a bit simple and they can only take one drink at a time. Yeah. And so you do it almost like this is going to be my drink and then this. Because if they don't remember everything, they will come back and ask you. Yeah. But they could possibly be pouring two drinks at the same time, cutting that service time in half. Absolutely. Which keeps you happy, keeps them happy, keeps, keeps everybody a lot happier, neat and tidy, lovely. Also, if you're in a large group and the bar staff ask you to keep it down, then listen to them. They're not trying to kill your joy. They just want to make sure that the environment is enjoyable for everybody. Yet, we understand that if there's quite a lot of you and you're all talking at once, the volume naturally goes up and because you're trying to talk over each other. And if there's music on in the bar, of course, the volume goes up. So it's, the, it's the football crowd effect, isn't it? Exactly. You think about how loud, you know, you can be you know, a good mile or so away from a football ground and hear them. Um, that is that collective voice. The decibels are raised that much more. And if you've got a group that are imbibing, getting slowly louder in the vocal department already, then trying to talk over each other, maybe talking over the table at somebody opposite as well, it's going to go up really quickly. And maybe because you're trying to be heard over somebody else or over the music, as you say, suddenly it's it's a cacophony of sound and it's ridiculously loud. You might not think it is, but other people are probably getting quite uncomfortably shut out of their conversations or a couple that are just having a nice little chit-chat can't actually hear themselves speak anymore. We understand this. However, if you've been, if you've been made aware that you are being too loud, respect that. Remember that there are other people using this establishment. It's not just you and your friends. Yeah. And you could be really ruining the whole atmosphere as well. I've had situations where I've asked people to keep it down because there was one in particular, I remember, because it was a Wednesday night, there were there wasn't a great deal of people in the pub, but there was one table who were shouting and singing at the top of their lungs when it was like a really quiet, sedate night. And 
I, I went over to them and I said, could you keep it down, please? This, you know, you're not at home here. Like, this is, you know, other people are using this space. And they started laying into me and absolutely, like, saying, oh, we're just trying to have fun. You're killing our vibe. You're the, re- you're the reason we stopped coming in here for so long. I had that. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm kind of glad I'm the reason that you stopped coming in here for so long because this is supposed to be a nice oh, environment yeah. for everybody. A Wednesday night, <laughs> Wednesday very, night. very sort of, you know, calm middle of the week, people are going out for a few beers, that's it. You know, mm. if you want to do that, either save it to the weekend and, you know, piss off down to do the... Uh, karaoke yeah. or you know go to a club and scream at the top of your lungs to a band that you like don't just holler at each other no. randomly on on a strange strange night as well yeah midweek also the pub i used to be a manager in was it's not very big no it's it a small was a pub. tiny little backstreet boozer there was absolutely no reason for them to be raising their voices so loud and also no reason for them to treat me like shit yeah. except for the fact that they were drunk and yeah. they felt entitled to treat the place like their personal well, playground. Absolutely, and on the you know the uh, question of entitlement, um, we've talked about this a lot uh, over the years. You have no right to be served. You're not entitled to be served. Yeah. In fact, a bartender can ultimately say, "Don't like the cut of your jib. I'm not serving you." They don't have to give a reason. You can you can just say, "No, that's that's our policy here." Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing. But ultimately, it is the bar staff's prerogative. They will choose whether to serve you based on your general demeanour, sort of your decorum. If you're rude, you're not getting served. No. If you're drunk, well, they shouldn't be serving you. That's part of their job as well. Uh, and so when people say, I, I've bought five pints in here, how dare you cut me off as well? But now you are definitely drunk and I shouldn't ultimately probably have served you that last pint. It's, so, it's a very strange paradox that you sit in as bartender because your livelihood uh, depends on people drinking and keeping the pub going by spending money. However, you also have to cut people off. If you, if you behave in an appropriate way, then generally you're less likely to be picked out of the crowd as the wrongdoer and told, that's it, I'm not serving you anymore. If you get loud and aggressive at the bar and go, I've only had three ales. Yeah then there's a fairly large chance that someone's going to go, well, I don't care if you've only had three or you're telling me that you've only had one pint. I'm not serving you now because you're displaying aggressive, rude behaviour towards me, which makes me think, first of all, that you're drunk, but secondly, I don't have to serve you because you're being a wanker. Yeah, exactly. So expanding on that point of you are not entitled to be served, if you are refused service because the bar staff deem you to be too drunk, you have, there's no going back. Yeah. You cannot suddenly, you know, barter with them to get another drink. No. And you hear everything from, you know, oh, well, if I drink a pint of water, can I have another? Or what if my mate buys me one? Yeah, yeah like, because it changes it oh, all yeah. if somebody else buys it for you. Your mate is in the wrong and they could get fined. But the establishment could get fined as well if they're found to be mm. serving alcohol to people who are quite what obviously drunk. What don't think about is that it is the responsibility of the staff and that venue to look after you. Mm. So they are looking after you, even if you don't like it. I mean, it's almost like, you know, to people, they have it in their head, it's like rough justice, but it's more like tough love. Yeah. They're sort of saying, I'm afraid I've cut you off, 
and I'll be happy to see you tomorrow sober. Yeah. But right now, I need to do this for you as well as for us. Yeah. And it is because law will throw the book at you. But equally, you could, that person could be putting themselves in all sorts of risk and danger through, through over intoxication. And, you know, and, and that is something that people have to guard against. People don't really think about it because they're like, oh, I'm a fully grown adult and I can drink, you know, X amount and then stroll home. And, and exactly. they don't think that anything can happen in that point of time that could change that, whole, that, that one moment. So it's all about safeguarding people from often from themselves, but from other events, other things that could happen. Like you were saying, a lot of people come in with this mindset of I'm an adult, I know how much I can drink. But they do forget that there is actually law behind what bars have to do. Licensing law dictates mm. that a bar cannot serve an obviously drunk person. And a lot of people don't understand that. Most regular punters wouldn't have any understanding of licensing law. To the point where I once refused a woman's service because she'd had too much to drink... And she, I knew she wasn't a lawyer, but because I knew the particular office workers that were coming in, <laughs> I knew where they worked. But she started telling me that she was a lawyer and that I was against the law. She said, I'm a lawyer and you're against a law, the law and I'm going to call the police. This is against the law. And it was absolutely mind-blowing and baffling to me. To the point, I had no idea how to handle this woman because I was saying... No, I think you'll find that the law is 100% on my side. Yeah. If, like, I wonder... Because she did come back and apologise a few weeks later. she just lost her mind She'd obviously was just that drunk. She was that drunk. And was and also was probably quite embarrassed because she was the only member of her group that, that was, was that cut off. Yeah. That was that drunk and got cut off. And but Why would you claim to be a lawyer as well? Yeah, I don't I mean, know. That's, that that, that compounds the embarrassment to me. It's yeah. Like, I'm a lawyer. I I know the laws. Because this that's land. suddenly going to mean that I turn around and go, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You know better yeah. than me. Here, have another double gin and tonic. But this is the thing. A lot of people do not know licensing law as regular punters, and so assume that they just have the right to be yeah. to drink as much as they back, like. Back to entitlement again. Exactly. There are laws in place to protect you. And to protect the people that work in that in that venue from any fines that might come their way, the chances of you being shut down, your license being taken away from you as well. Um, that you know you've got, you've got to respect that environment. And so actually, you can probably drink as much as you like at home. Not that I'm saying people should. That's the thing. You can buy beer to take home. You can buy whatever you want to take home and drink it at home. The reason you're going out is because you want to be a bit more sociable. It's a difference of culture. You are going out to, once again, commune with other people. If you cannot communicate anymore, how can you commune with anybody? Mm. So, don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, a few points on ordering. So, we've already touched a little bit on this, but order efficiently. If you're going up to the bar and you know that three of your group want one beer, one person wants a spirit mixer and another person wants... Uh, like a cider or something don't go one cider one pint one one spirit mixer one pint and another pint yeah just group I, group everything things. together like get the guinness done get the spirits done then bish bash bosh the other beers and ciders will come quickly afterwards yeah beautiful nice and simple so just think logically about the method in which you're ordering and then waving your money 
Oh, the the bane of uh, working behind a bar. Clicking. Clicking. Oh, waving money. Waving money. Or going. Coughing. <clears throat> or I'm next. And it's yeah. like, no, I know that you're not. I, you know, and ultimately that is bar staff's job is to check and see who's next. Now it's down to them, even if they get it slightly wrong, because they can't always get it right. But you do try to go along with it. Now, I know it's really irritating when you get passed over like four or five times and you get to the point where you're like, right, this is taking the piss now. Yeah. But that normally is actually about the reflection on the quality of how those staff have been trained. If you actually have a, a team and a system in place, you go, right, you're in charge of this area, you're in charge of that area, bang. If it's a busy night, then people will know where they're supposed to be and there is always going to be a bit of crossover. So you accept a little bit, you know, mistakes are going to be made. Yeah, especially but on a very busy Innocent night. mistakes. Yeah. Don't just stand there waving money. Because we will take that out of your hand yeah. and we'll put it in our pocket. Yeah. Thank you very much. What a lovely donation you've made to this pub tonight. Yes. Oh, yeah, you did that once, didn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I gave it, you know, I gave it back to him shortly afterwards. But the guy had already been... The first thing he does is the clicking. Then he waves a £20 note in my face. Like, oh, thank you very much. That's really kind of you. Then a few minutes later, he's like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, right, there's your money back. I hope you've learned a lesson. Don't just wave money at people because it seems like it might be a gift for them. Hmm. I'm going to make it rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, money waving and clicking. I saw some like um, travellers guides to pub etiquette mm -hmm. online and a couple of them were saying like make it obvious that you're ready to order by yeah. having your money ready. And look ready. Look ready. Make eye contact yeah. is a big one. Um, if the bar staff are like they have their back to you or something and they're like or like filling a glass washer or like slicing lemons or whatever, they might not have noticed that you need serving. So you could say, excuse me. Yeah. And then like just be polite, say please and thank you. And it's OK. Um, but there is a difference between having your money ready and, and waving, waving it. it in the air. And most of the time these days and particularly in this in this covid climate, you're basically paying on card or on yeah. your phone anyway. So it's not. It's not as obvious these no. days. Um, also, the queuing system. So, uh, contrary to traditional British culture, uh, we are obviously famous around the world for our queues, and love we a love good a queue. good queue. Yeah, we we know how queues work. Everybody get in queue because it allows you the opportunity to tut and feel <laughs> and feel slightly furious at everybody else around you, even though you're all bought into that system with no actual need to do it. Yeah, but the the one place where you will not have a traditional queue is in a bar because everybody's at the bar at the same level slammed up against the wall slammed up against the wall so <laughs> crowds of bang alcoholics behind you <laughs> you should be able to trust the bar staff to that there is a mental queue in the head of the bar staff they know they're either assigned a certain section of the bar to deal with or they've clocked who's come to the yeah. bar at certain times i think it kind of it comes with the fact that people underestimate bar staff because it's not treated as a real profession in yep. this country. People assume that anyone who works behind a bar is a bit of an idiot and that they can't remember more than one drink order at a time yep. and they don't know who's in the queue. They don't know who got their well, first. Well, it's not a career because they're just doing it whilst they're at college and university. Yeah, they're a student. Which, again, fair enough, people are doing it for that reason. But you still, ultimately, if I open the doors of any business, I want to know that my staff are trained. It's one of those that people don't really respect the system of the bar and try to work the system somehow, be like, oh, yeah, if I sneak in here, it'll be all right. You know, I'll get served first. 
Uh, and off a lot of time, uh, bar staff are very savvy about the fact that you've done that. They, yeah. they know. And are more likely to, to skip over you. You might you might end up waiting once or twice over. Where you yeah. think, it is actually my turn now. So, well, it may well have been, but you were trying to play the system. So they've let you just hang by your balls for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> All this talk is making me a bit thirsty. So shall we yeah. pour a bit more? Yeah, some more of this delicious, keeved Oliver's Yeah, fine we didn't cider. talk about what we were drinking. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we fancied a bit of cider this afternoon. So, Contrary to what a lot of people might think about us, we drink all sorts of different things. Um, and today it's Tom Oliver's cider. It's the I think it's called the next big thing, is it? Uh, yep, the next big thing, keeved cider. So it's keeved cider, so that's where you retain some of the natural sweetness. You don't add any sweetness at all, so you retain some of the natural sweetness from, uh, from the apple, from the juice. So yeah, I, from my understanding, or as I say, I might have misinterpreted this but the manner in which you end up with the sweetened cider naturally and through the process of keeving is through moving from vessel to vessel so sort of at a low sort of level you could just literally rack from one vessel to another so you take take the liquid move it to another vessel and in so doing you you're creating a depletion of nutrients and yeast so you leave that behind so just like with racking in, in, in beer and homebrew level, you always leave a little bit of yeast cake at the bottom and, you know, hot matter or whatever else is in there, trube. Um, so in doing the same with, with the cider, what you're doing is selecting to lose a certain amount of yeast each time and its nutrients. So the yeast is getting nutrients starved, which means it's less active. So you're naturally stunting the fermentation process. And so you end up with a sweetened, naturally sweetened, all from the juice cider yeah. and i think i think that's the process of keeping anyway in a nutshell in a nutshell you're just trying to select how much yeast is present and how many nutrients are present for that yeast to utilize to ferment because otherwise cider will just go and it will go dry and it goes very dry if you just leave it a lot of the time so that's how you end up with it which is why they end up tending to be on the lower abv end of the scale and you know that bit sweeter but it's a refined sweetness it's not like you just bollocks a load of saccharin in there and gone Oh, delicious. Oh, it's disgusting. You can tell the difference, really, when you yeah. drink a saccharin uh, cider compared to this. I mean, I enjoy a sweet cider, and this is absolutely up my street. And it's only, what, 3.4? Let's have a look. I thought it was 3%. This is a, this is a, it's 3.5. 3.5. And this is a 750ml, so we've shared it. So it's a, it's a perfect afternoon yeah. drink, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Highly it's recommended. It's good we're recording this at six o'clock in the morning. Though, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, if only. Um, right, so back to our point, we were still talking about ordering at the bar. Um, so another thing, along with waving your money, don't be on the phone when you're ordering. Yeah. This should be common sense. Would you expect to be holding a conversation with some anybody while on the phone? No, is that, I mean, it, this is back to be ready. If you want to be served, be ready. Don't be on the phone. Definitely don't put your finger up, your index finger up somebody and say, One minute. Wait one minute Mouth whilst you're on the them. phone. One minute, one minute. Yeah. I mean, one of my ex-bosses always said, if anyone's on the phone, or they, or they look like they're texting, or they're just taking a phone call, don't serve them. I give you full permission to just not do anything until they've finished their social call or their important call because they are so important that they expect you to do something for them whilst they don't really have any eye contact, any care, any communication with you at all. Yeah. 
So yeah, that is a big no. And it's rude. You wouldn't do it in any other situation. You wouldn't no. just talk at somebody whilst on the phone. Well, it, but it's amazing how many people try to do it. It's like even when I left working in bars and was working in a cafe, it's exactly the same. Yeah. A lot of this applies. You You should be polite in whatever ordering situation you're in. I understand when people say... I'm, I've, you know, I'm ordering a drink for a friend and I've forgotten what they want. And I either go away from the bar and go and ask them whilst it's been served. Normally, most staff don't mind that as long as you've started the process of ordering. You're being polite about it. That's fine. And I can also understand that some people sometimes make a call when they do that. They say, look, sorry, I'm really, I'm just going to quickly check what the drink is. Or otherwise, I'm sorry, you leave it and somebody has to go back up and queue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like getting drinks in for a whole round of people that aren't even there is another one which I understand, fair enough. There's a certain approach to it. You just cannot be that rude to be like, oh, yeah, and this one, and this one, oh, yeah, and then five pints of this. You can't do that and be on the phone whilst being served. It's rude. Yeah, absolutely. There's not that much more that can be said about that, frankly. It, no. it should be common sense, but it's not. So many of these things should be common sense, but for some reason are not. Mm -hmm. um, another one, don't argue over the price. If you're standing at the bar, there's usually a very obvious list of prices right behind the bar or next to the bar. There will be an obvious list of prices. Or you can ask before you order. Yeah. The staff aren't going to Don't, don't be... always assume that something is a reasonable price by your standards because also depending where you might be in the country, yeah. that price can be largely inflated by the cost of living in that city or town or wherever it might be. So you have, you know... Just use your common sense. If you don't feel like you want to be stung, then ask the question up front. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not rude. You say, sorry, how much is that? Or, excuse yeah. me, do you mind telling me the prices of these two drinks? Yeah. Very easy. Nothing goes wrong that way. No, absolutely. And I think that it goes for a lot of things. Um, it's like when you're ordering food. It's not rude to ask how long the wait is in the kitchen. Yeah. If there's quite, if you look around and you see that there are a lot of people sitting down in the pub, you can safely assume quite a few of them are eating. And if you're looking to get your food in ten minutes, I'm sorry, only Weatherspoons can do that for yeah. you. So there's a natural queue system, like you'd find it at the bar. You don't get to the bar and be at the front and think with seven people by the side of you on one side and six on the other that you are first just because you are actually standing at the bar. Most of those people are in the same situation. They are also in a queue. Just because you can't you know, see that see queue, queue a lot of the time. There's, There's a, a very system. real queue in the kitchen. And the kitchen, tickets yeah, rack the tickets up. pile up very quickly. And you know those guys do an amazing job to get through it in, in incredible heat. You know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you couldn't the one pay thing, enough to be a chef. Oh, God, no. I, like, I would do bar work again in a heartbeat. But chefing, I don't think I could ever no, I do think, that. I always think it's amazing that you know, these it's a high stress job as well, you know, because you are warming up that much. Your tickets are piling up and people expect perfection. Yeah. This is the other thing. Food service, people expect absolute perfection. Mm. There's been a lot of issues recently. If you follow anything on beer Twitter or, well, hospitality, anything hospitality related on social media, you'll know that the eat out to help out scheme at the moment has been a unmitigated disaster for many establishments. Yep. There. Some of them, it's made them really quiet at the back end of the week to the point where those three days of intensive destruction that they get, and with actually not a massive you know amount of finances coming through compared to the other four days in the week, if they're quiet, then they're actually probably making a loss on they what they are, would do. Yeah. So people think, oh, it's brilliant. It's really, really helping. Hmm. But I'm not. I'm not saying that it doesn't help some businesses, and I'm not going to stand here and just 
rip holes in it. But a lot of people are finding that, in fact, what you get is the equivalent of what we call Christmas drinkers. That we, I think we're going to talk about that in a little yeah. bit. But they come out the woodwork and it's like they've never, ever been into a venue and been served by somebody before. It's this new alien concept where they are just as rude as you like. They do whatever the hell they like. They forget all of their manners the moment they sit down and they behave quite abhorrently. And entitled as yeah. well. It comes back to entitlement. Going out, People have forgotten that going out for a meal is a privilege. Yeah. You can only... The, the whole reason that Eat Out to Help Out was put in place was to make it... Uh, to help jumpstart the economy and make it more affordable for anybody to go out for a meal during August. Absolutely. And it has been just so much pressure on the establishments that have signed up to the scheme and the kind of the attitudes they're being met with that is no repayment for the extra work they're having to do there there are many things about food service in pubs but also we can extend this to uh restaurants as well yeah absolutely don't book a table at five different restaurants and turn up to one Without calling ahead. Yeah, you can't throw loads of nets down to just catch one fish. That's yeah. it's disgraceful when people do that. And then also, not only do a lot of people, you know, do the cancel thing and they go around and they, they cancel the ones that most time they don't bother to notify them. Exactly. Oh, I've got what I wanted now, and everybody else can sod off. Yeah. It is inc well, it's not just incredibly rude. It is destroying businesses because they've got a table booked for people that never turn up. That space that a lot of these venues don't have the space to give over to ghost customers. And and I might add, it is one of the most horribly rude things you could possibly do. And I think this is it. I, I kind of, look going back to what I said at the very beginning, where I said, if you've done some of these things, don't worry, there's time to change. If you've ever done this, you need to seriously look at yourself and your attitude because mm -hmm. it is absolutely disgraceful that you'd be willing to to treat an a independent business like that. A, yeah, I mean, just, or any, just, just, to, just any business. Just any you know, business. It's just, like, not, it's just not on. It's just not on at all. I was. I think it was, was it Box E, one of the local restaurants here? Um, I saw something on their Twitter which was describing a situation where a group had come in, they'd booked a table for four, but they'd brought an extra friend along with them. And they mm -hmm. said... Uh, can we just shove an extra chair on the end of the table and have our friend on as well? And they refused because Boxy is a really tiny restaurant. Yeah. They can only seat a certain number of people as it is. And when you've got social distancing in place. They've they've barely got any space as it is. And, like, it's very tight, so the, for the people to... for the service to get it from really the kitchen... It really is an incredibly small venue. And they they really argued with them, the the customers did, and they said oh, well, we'll just go somewhere else then. And they they turned to their friend and said, do we still have that table booked at X restaurant? Yeah, brilliant. And it's like, oh, great. So not only are you being a massive shit to us, but you were about to leave another restaurant yeah. hanging. Like, it's absolutely disgraceful behaviour. Before ordering your food, just take a look around. Estimate that each table is maybe, what, 20 minutes? Yeah, of wait like time. That. So if there are depends what type of food it is, doesn't it? Really, it does depend on what type of food it is. Sometimes but... it can be a little longer, but that's why I go out for food because I want to take my sweet time. I want to sit and enjoy, you know, a drink and a bit of a social with people. If I was in a desperate need for to rush, 
I would I would go to somewhere that I know is quick fire, which is often what we you know you talk about takeaways and things yeah. like that, or just places that you know it's like that's chips and burger and it turns over pretty quickly. Yeah. If you know that that's the case, then great, you do that. Don't go to a restaurant though thinking you're going to turn it around in forty five minutes. Yeah, I it's know just, that's it's, madness. It's madness. And would just you do it as... at home that quickly? No, exactly. People seem to think that. Well, I think it's because places like Weatherspoons have given them a really unrealistic idea of how long it yeah. takes to cook something. Because but that's not cooking, is yeah, it? That's believe just it chucking or not, stuff Weathers- in the microwave. Exactly. Weatherspoons just micro- microwaves most of their meals. I think the only thing that's cooked is chips. I like think they, they cook some things, but ultimately it's still all quick-fire stuff. If you flash-fry something, that's flash-frying. It's very yeah. quick. Yeah. You're not having to you know, slowly griddle something. You're not having to oven-heat something. You're not having to toast something. And when you've got a meal that comprises of various different ingredients, the way that they are intricately cooked differently, then it is going to take time. So, yeah, we delved into food a little bit there, but I think we need to skip back to the drink ordering a little bit. Um, Cocktails. Now, I don't know how you feel about this one, Floz, but if you're in a pub, would you start asking for like a Tom Collins or a sidecar? Or... No, not unless I know that place does those things and they do them well. Because yeah. also, I wouldn't want just a Tom Collins made by somebody who didn't know how to make a Tom Collins. Because exactly. you get the classic, oh, I'll instruct you how to do it. Well, it sort of defeats the object. Go to a cocktail bar if you want a good cocktail. Mm. Or if you know there's a bar that does good cocktails, then fine. I just wouldn't do that. I mean, I, people go, oh, it's really simple. It's just this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah. And in these volumes... But there's also a costing up element. You're not just yeah. putting the shot in and doing this and you're doing that. And they're time-consuming to yeah, make. There's a are. reason that cocktail bars are set up and the way they are. They're often done by people that know what they're doing. So there's a skill element, which, you know, I'm not saying that the bartenders don't have that skill, but to assume that everybody can make a cocktail is wrong. That's like assuming everybody that can cook at home is a chef. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, by all means, order a spirit and mixer, Pubs are set up for spirit and mixers most of the time. I would be tempted to say there'd be certain bars that might uh, frown on it, particularly if you order a top-shelf whiskey and ask to have it with Coke. Delicious. Mm, Delicious, yeah, lovely peaty single malt with Coke. Let's have my really, really well-created steak, and could you just put ketchup on top of it, please? So, yeah, cocktails, just know the venue you're in. Don't. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Know the venue you're in. You know, you'll you'll either know it because you know it already. You size it up because you go in there, you see what it looks like it offers. If you don't recognise things, it's not necessarily that you're being ignorant, but it could be that these are a range of high-end such-and-such that you aren't familiar with. Or if you know your stuff, then why would you do it in the first place? I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, there's no place for a rum and coke or whatever, but there is a place for taking, like, a 20... 20 pound shots because that's the other classic is going yeah. I love that and you're like, it costs X amount it doesn't matter just chuck it in there and go oh how much is this yeah like, well you you either didn't ask and you just went I'll have that yeah or you went well, ahead you, and did it even though and we then told you. complained yeah. later on which you know, work that logic out yeah it's uh, yeah very much if you want a cocktail go to a cocktail bar um and don't beg for another drink after time. So, um, mm. the bell that you hear, or the call that you hear, or the lights being dimmed and turned up again. Which we call the fuck-off lights. The fuck-off lights. Um, they are there to 
to notify you when it is time for you to order your last drink and when you cannot order another drink. I mean, we're called time at the bar. Last orders, time at the bar. It's ubiquitous part of going into a British pub. Mm -hmm. You know this. We all know this. So why do people insist on coming up to the bar as you've rung the last order, the time at the bar bell and shouted time at the bar? Mm -hmm. Do they come up and say, oh, I'd like to order a drink? Uh, the number of times I've had, I've had people do this and you say, well, no, sorry, that was the time bell. I can't serve you now. And then they go, oh, well, I didn't hear it, so I should get to order now. I should yeah. get one last well, drink classic, because I didn't hear it. It's just, <laughs> you know, that doesn't change the fact that the licence that I have for this establishment tells me that this time, I, once I've told people they can't have another drink, they can't have another drink. No, um, exactly. But you just, you There's get rules it. Are, rules are rules for a reason. Yeah, it's, so don't offer to pay double for the drink. Don't, like, try and pretend that you're somehow a better customer than everybody else, therefore you deserve another. And don't ask to drink the slops. Oh, it's just God. wrong. No, that it's is just embarrassing. and it's desperate and not very sanitary. Why would you want to? No. I mean, at least nowadays most bars are cleaning their lines regularly enough that you say, look, I don't actually, I can't, I wouldn't give you the slops because I don't know if that's just pure slops in there. Yeah. And also just... The name itself, come on, it's got to put you off. Slops, it's a, yeah. it's a mishmash of all the crappy runoff down the outside of the glass and off the bottom of the glass and, you know, I just, no. Yeah. No, don't it's order it. disgusting. You're a wrong'un. You're a wrong'un, go home. <laughs> Honestly, if you've got to that point in the night where you're willing to drink the slops, you clearly don't need any more to drink. No, no. You need a dirty kebab and home. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think we've uh, covered uh, ordering pretty clearly. So a few more points. Um, Christmas drinkers. Now, it's a Ooh. very difficult time of year to work in a bar, is Christmas. You get your rude dolphs. They come in. They're just abusive and oh, cheer up, it's Christmas. It's like, this is hell on earth for us. This, These are some of the worst days in the year. And then you get, cheer up, it's Christmas. So I've got a big, shiny jumper on with all neon flashing lights and it's it's santa bumming R uh, rudolph and you go <laughs> this this is not fun no one's yeah. having fun you're pretending to have fun because it's such a tragic office party or whatever well and just dial it back a little bit now right, I, I think we've got very vitriolic now yeah. we need to scale it back we understand christmas not... jumpers signs pure evil <laughs> All right. <laughs> Along with people in fancy dress. <laughs> yeah. That's one we haven't yeah, covered as well. Large groups dress. of fancy dress may very well get refused. Yeah. But um, now Christmas drinkers. Look, we understand not everybody goes out drinking every night of the week. They might have families. That's very sensible, they in fact. Might... In fact, yeah. You know what? Probably better than us. You're probably very healthy people. Yeah, just to clarify, I don't think we drink every day of the we week. We don't drink every Thanks day of the week. Thanks for that, Maz. You've made I'm sorry, I did make it sound ludicrous. a little bit like we uh, have no control over our drinking. But to understand going into, as you say, we if you understand venues, you wouldn't go in and get absolutely truncated. Now, sometimes it happens by accident, yeah. OK? And I'm not denying that I've had nights where I've just... Gone off gone. on one. And usually it's when I haven't had my dinner and I decide to go and drink and get my dinner on my way you home. You love to do that to yourself, don't you? Mm, yes, I love to do that to myself, <laughs> don't I? N you are not Guilty involved. Guilty as charged. <laughs> um, but it's understanding your limits. Now, yep, 
we go out drinking all year round, not necessarily every night of the week, no, as we've said. Just no, clarify. don't. Yeah, we don't do that. But you become acquainted with the etiquette of the pub, yep. you, and you also become acquainted with your limits. Mm-hmm. And important to know your limits. And you will probably have a slightly higher tolerance for alcohol if you're drinking it a bit more regularly. Not to say that you should push yourself to that limit, but we have a more a better understanding of what our bodies can accept. There's well. nothing wrong with not drinking very much. No. In fact, it's a bloody good thing. Yeah. What people shouldn't do is think they've got to get into a big rounds thing at parties and then they have to go drink for drink with everybody. Don't do it. If it's going to mess you up, don't do it. No. It's not like you're missing out. You can have a soft drink. It's fine. Pub furniture. How do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah. Pub furniture, it doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Don't steal it. Don't steal cushions. Don't break chairs. Don't take things that you fancy. The furnishings of the pub are yeah. not yours just because it's a public space as far as yeah, you're because concerned. Because you bought one pint. Yeah. Oh, I have the right to this. I bought a pint. I will steal the glassware. Mm-hmm. I will break a chair and then not say anything. All you have to do as an adult is take responsibility for your own actions and don't feel like you can steal just because you are in a pub. I'm in a public space. It all belongs to me. This isn't this isn't going out in the local, you know, patch of green and picking up some twigs. Yeah. You you just can't do it. I it don't understand why back. people think they can. No, it all comes back to the history of the pub. Where does it come from? You're in someone else's house. Yeah. Don't be stealing stuff from them. It doesn't belong to you. You wouldn't do it in you. any other situation. Why do you suddenly feel it's okay because you've had a pint or five? Yeah. Oh, look, uh, actually, I really like that. Yoink. The, the glassware thing is particularly big bugbear yeah. because, like, you had this experience in your bar and then, I mean, it's a famous, like, ongoing joke now in the beer community in Bristol that everybody has a small bar glass in their cupboard. Yeah. Um, Proud to say we don't. We don't. Um, but it's this idea that that it got it got so expensive for small bar to reproduce those glasses. They just stopped getting them branded, didn't they? Yeah. And then they did. They thought that they got on top of it. They did a small run of new branded glassware, which Very had the that. James Yo um, designs on it, yeah. and they all got taken like the first week that they went out. This is the thing, though, isn't it? Particularly with aesthetically pleasing. And designed, you know, graphicked mm. um, pieces that people like them. Now, I've never seen a problem. I've had people offer me money for glassware before. That's fine. Fine. Buy a glass if you want one. If oh. it means that I can buy more, then fine. That all goes in that fund. Yeah. But don't feel you can just steal something because you had a drink out of it. Yeah. It, you didn't. It wasn't like you put a deposit down on no. the glass and you get. You to put take a deposit home, down, you? and you feel like stealing. They're more full you because the yeah. deposit will be a massive inflation on what the cost of that glass is. Like when you go to a German Christmas market and you get yeah. your glue vine in a little boot or, or the, whatever. Or and... the Belgium system as well. I mean, you know, there was the famous one being the you know the quack glass that everybody wants to steal for some reason, even though they're relatively. Is that the horn-shaped one in no, the so wooden? No, it's, it's the it's the one that comes in the um, carriage. Um, Candle Harrier, so it's a big. It's candle a, Candle Harrier. It's the one that comes in the large. <laughs> no, I'm not editing this out. You can. I'm going to wait until you get it right. <laughs> candle Carrier. Candle Carrier. Candle holder. Large hand handled 
candle carrier. Oh, well done. That's a um, tongue twister. <laughs> it was designed to sit on the side of a coach horse. So that that was where the light was put so that the driver could see where they were going. On the horse? <laughs> this is all going. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it in. No, no, no. no. Um, it, it, well, on the side of the coach. So, so it was a, a large handled candle carrier that sat on the side of the coach. <laughs> The stagecoach, yeah. The stagecoach. We got there. We got there, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was... (laughs) I haven't even described the glass yet. No. So the glass is a long, sort of bulbous base, so it's perfectly rounded bottom, so Uh, you can't sit, it has to stand in its holder. It's like a kind of test tube thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's what, you know, but on a large scale, it's almost like, you know, to some people it looks like the yard of ale or whatever. Mm. And so that's that particular glass. In lots of places you'd give a deposit, and a lot of other places, the deposit would be your shoe. Um, in some places, in places like Ghent and in lots of places in Belgium, uh, and actually further afield as well, and I think you get the same in places like Czech Republic, they'll winch it up or put it in a cage or lock it away. Yes. So the winching up in, in the uh, De La Grite in Ghent is uh, they put it in a basket and they hoist it up to the roof and then tie it off so you can't get at it. So if you, know, if you see the one person bundling around in the rain with you know, one shoe and one, <laughs> one very wet sock, you know that they're the person that tried to steal the glass. And often if you get caught, they don't even give you a shoe back. <laughs> <laughs> I think people I would kick it. off in this country, but if you know, if you if you play, if you if you do if you try to play the system, yeah, you're going to get done. <laughs> <laughs> Feng shuiing the furniture. So we talked about furniture, furnishings, glassware. Yeah. But actually, there's also an issue with people just moving the tables. Yeah. And, and now, in theory, this shouldn't be an issue at the moment because you come in, you sit at your table. Yeah. Because of social distancing, you really cannot get up and move around. There was always reasons that tables were placed in a certain position. Now, that is either for maximising space, for ability to pass between tables, so that the waiting staff can get to your table or round the table to be able to, you know, put your plates down or whatever. Also, health and safety, fire exits, ability to pass through the pub safely. Another thing that is often the case as well, and I've not really thought about, is there might not necessarily be a number on your table and people get table service, that might be that they have a system placed based on where the tables are within a certain space. Yeah. These are all huge points that you don't probably think about. As soon as you start moving things around, you screw with that. But equally, one of the reasons that those tables are placed where they are is so that people can safely navigate the space it's that they're in and accessibility. not burn to death. It's accessibility and fire safety. Fire and safety is a massive part of it. And people think, oh, I just put that there. So You can't do that. Because it's not, it's no longer. You can a safe... ask if you, and they say, actually, yeah, you can, because there'd be enough space. Fine. Yeah. Don't assume that you can just start moving stuff around. Yeah. Ask always. Ask the bar staff before you start moving things around. We understand that people like might have another person add their group, so they can say, look, do you mind if I borrow that chair? You don't have to ask the staff's permission for that. It's often when you take it from somebody else's table. Yeah. But equally, don't denude an entire table of its chairs so that you can all sit around one table. Or tableware. I had this problem where it was. Uh, particularly around Christmas, Mm -hmm. you'd have your tables ready for the Christmas bookings. You'd have already laid it because you knew who was coming. Another table would just take the cutlery off the other table. Yeah, brilliant. So just don't don't, (laughs) start messing around with stuff, particularly if you can see it set up a particular way. Ask bar staff. If something's been missed, honest mistakes happen. Bar staff are human. They make mistakes. 
but most just, of them are human. Yeah, it like raise it nicely. If there's like, if you if you have an issue, just be polite. Again, yeah. it goes back to being polite. Raise it. It's not hard, it is be, it? It will be sorted out. Sort it out. Sort it. Last orders. Another thing we don't really have in this country, but is very much worth talking about, is tipping culture. Now, obviously, in America, it's quite a common thing. You tip a certain percentage of your bill, and often it's yeah. the percentage is reflective of the quality of service that you feel you've had. In the UK, it's kind of, if you're going to tip, you're doing it when you eat, and you're going to give like 10 to maybe 15% of the whatever bill yeah. you've paid. I think that we could definitely encourage a tipping culture more in this country. Yeah, I, I would love to see it become the norm. I mean, what is interesting to me quite a bit is that generally people don't not very good at tipping, but they get served at a bar. Um, and if you've had good service and somebody recommends you something and it's good, I mean, it'd, be a, it'd be such a nice thing to do. Now, obviously, that has changed because most people go onto card. Hmm. And on top of that, it's now changed completely because cash money is, is really sort of a dead thing, particularly at this point in time. Yeah, isn't it? we don't handle cash. Um, so a lot of places have geared up to have a tipping jar system, and I think through a company called Tip Jar. Yes. Um, and that's a really good idea. And I don't know how many people do it, um, whether it's you know an afterthought or whether they just don't bother. But I think it's a really nice thing to do just to just to... Just to tip your staff if you think it's been good. Yeah. I don't really think it costs you that much. You know, the amount of money that people spend on pointless crap in the first place. This is the difference between people's livelihoods. You know, a lot of these jobs are not well paid. No. People do it either because they love it, which, you know, you can say it's insane if you want, but or because that's what they need to do to get by a lot of the time. And then so they try to do the best they can. But most people that do it have a strange adoration of that job that they do even though it's it's conflicted you know i mean we both say that we love that job and hates it simultaneously and it can take chunks out of you but it is also incredibly rewarding at times and it i think people should value what what staff you know in bars and restaurants do don't just see it as like oh it's a day job for somebody that's you know like i don't know going to study yeah it's not well paid and many people are doing it because actually believe it or not they quite enjoy the industry yeah. in its weird way in their I mean, own as weird way as you say the social elements you know that talking to people and that it's really important to remember that that's that's somebody's decision either enforced or majority majority of the time because they just love that that industry they love that job they love being in and around people who are interesting or you know that are weird and funky, and you know that's all part of it. You know, it attracts all sorts of people. Yeah. So tipping would be a nice one to see people do yeah. a bit more. And I think we definitely see people, um, particularly regulars in a bar, or or people who are just feeling particularly generous at the time, offer a drink for the staff that have served yeah. them that night, paying paying for a drink for them to have at the end of their shift. And I like that. And that is that was quite a you know. It's just a little boost because you you end, you can end up dealing with horrible horrible customers all day all night, particularly at certain times of year, and 
on certain days of the week and if you and often you've worked like a 14 hour shift with a 20 minute break you're exhausted and it's really it can, your morale can be like quite low mm. but if someone buys you a drink they just say thank you would you like one yourself yeah. like it it's just enough sometimes to to make the difference on your day absolutely so we've reached the penultimate point what's it gonna be don't cheer when a glass is broken yeah i mean it's a personal hate of mine because again back to the fact that it's vandalism. I know people make mistakes. Oh, but things so you fall off the bar. Sometimes it's the bar staff knocking something over. Sometimes it's another customer knocking something over. Yeah. But it's the cheer that you hear the, hey! There's no, I've nothing... never understood it. I mean, you know, quietly saying to your friend, sack the juggler is one thing. Mm. Uh, because that's not making a big public spectacle of it. But as I say, most people do it because it's an accident. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. These things happen. But it goes back to the fact that the glassware is not yours, hmm. so you wouldn't just go into somebody's house, have a cup of tea with them, and then just smash on the floor and be like, hey, I'm hilarious, right? Yeah. There's nothing funny about that. Most of the time, it's a completely innocent mistake, but I do not understand why people's idea of celebrating that moment is a, this ludicrous act of screaming and shouting, hey, yeah, fucking idiot, oh, hey, classic. Never understood it. And it, I just find it irritating. I find so it really irritating. grating. Not only is it that moment of, oh, shit, I've got to go and clean that glassware up, that broken glass, great, I've got to stop what I'm doing now, leave the bar, go sort that out. It's the irritating noises that come with it. It's yeah. like, it's totally unnecessary. It provides nothing to the situation. It's not helpful. And also, when bar staff do it, you know, most people, for some reason, revel in that even more. Like yeah. like they're a professional glass juggler. They are just bastards. They are also going to make mistakes. Things Also, if you put all your glasses together, they're probably going to be slippy, so something might just drop out of your hand. Yeah. It's going to happen times. It is not a reason to celebrate. No, there's or to, to make celebrate. a huge public spectacle. It's actually just made someone's day that bit more difficult. Yeah. So, and if you're trying to embarrass somebody, that's even worse. Yeah, it's really atrocious. Mm. And we've reached the final point of this evening. Ah, the final point. The final point is, don't shit yourself. <laughs> yeah, the hilarious you heard it thing, here. Yeah, the hilarious thing is, you think we're joking. We're really not. People drinking excessively, it could happen. Just, first of all, don't put yourself in that position. People going out with a dodgy stomach and, you know, trying to... Put a bit of bravado on themselves. Oh, I'll have a few pints. You're asking for You trouble. probably do not want to lubricate that already slippery <laughs> oh. monster. Oh, no, you're going too far. And then please, if you did ever shit yourselves, have the good grace to slowly, stinkily walk home and clean yourself up. Don't go into the, into the cubicle, whip your dirty khakis off, and shove them into the cistern of the toilet so that one day you... F having not understood where all these flies were coming from and this horrible stench in the toilet you find a pair of pants stuck in the cistern it is absolutely vile don't it's do that just it is just as, and then particularly with a great example in mind here go back to standing at the bar with all your mates and carry on drinking like nothing's happened because we can all smell you yeah you might have put soap up your butthole but we can smell you i think it's you know if being 
too drunk to stand, being refused service and maybe being sick in the toilet slyly isn't a sign enough that you need to go home. Shitting yourself most certainly is. Oh, this this definitely goes for vomit as well. Like, if you need to be sick... Do your best to do it in a toilet, and if you can't, go outside. And also, don't don't do it in the sink. Or the urinal. Or the urinal. That that is not not good. That's not easy to clean. People, again, you could could be out with a dodgy stomach. It might not just be alcohol, but then you probably shouldn't be out. Yeah. Understand that sometimes people suddenly get surprised and, oh, God, that's coming up again. Just just get it in the toilet. It's actually, it's better even if you got it on the floor. Because it's easier to clean up the floor yeah. than a urinal. Like it's actually the worst. I mean, I know, bless them, in their moment of madness, they think this would be the best place. I've deposited it somewhere nice that's at a good height for somebody to easily clean up. No. Oh, uh, but no, those chunks of carrot aren't going anywhere. No, they block the the yeah. U bend of the the urinal. They block. And this sinks. is it. The toilet they... flushes with power. Those things are slowly dripping yeah. to run away. Or the sink, where it goes down a U-bend because it's being pushed out. It's not got a flush mechanism that goes with it. So just get it in the toilet. If you can. And and then go home. Don't... I mean, you hear people talking about... I feel much better now. I'll yeah. carry on drinking. Or the tactical chunder, where they go, oh, I know I've had too much. I'll go and quickly get some of it out of my system yeah. and come back and drink. I mean, we ain't Romans here. Yeah, I've known a few exponents of the tactical chunder and I've never understood why you do it because they say, oh, you know, I've made more space to carry on drinking. So, well, first of all, you're in a state, so that's where you've done it. And secondly, aren't you just wasting your money? Yeah. Because if you actually care about what you're drinking, you want to have a few drinks and that's delicious. Thank you very much. I don't want to regurgitate that all. And I also don't want to just piss money up the wall or spew it up the wall yeah it's yeah just no again it comes with knowing your limits yeah just know your limits. it happens again it happens to all of us we've yeah. all had a night with we've just gone that bit too far or we didn't eat enough before we went out just and it just happens and sometimes you'll have a bad night but just do your best to deal with the situation properly either by going doing it on your walk home or uh, or trying to aim properly. Yeah. Um, So I think that's taken us to the end of our very long rant. Yeah. Sorry about this one, guys. Yeah. Oh, Ranty McRant face. I don't think we need to (laughs) apologise. Anyone that's listened this far knows that we're doing quite long episodes. So uh, we do apologise if we've offended you as a customer. If you've heard yourself described... (laughs) If you heard yourself described in that rant... It's okay. Like I said at the beginning, just bear these things in mind. This is sort of a public service announcement that we're giving you here that a lot of people might not be aware that what they're doing is makes the life of the people who run pubs or work in pubs harder. Main things to remember, you're essentially in someone else's home. Just always treat going out to the bar as if you're in someone else's home. Yeah, know where you are. Give it the respect it's due. Give the people the respect they're due. And if someone allowed you in their home, would you proceed to drink excessively without saying please or thank you, break or steal the belongings in the house, raise your voice or shit your pants and stuff from behind the toilet system? I don't think so. No. I know a few people might like to do that too, but... (laughs) (laughs) And with that, uh, that is time at the bar. Uh, Get out. Get out. Get out. Time of the bar!
Thank you for listening to Time at the Bar. If you have any beer recommendations, uh, suggestions for episodes, or you just fancy getting in touch, then please email us at tatbpod at gmail.com. If you use social media, then please follow us on Twitter at Time at the Bar Pod or Instagram at Time at the Bar Pod. Thanks again for listening.